listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 26. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Hey there, amazing humans. I'm your host, Angela, and welcome to another episode of Business and Life Conversations. I hope your day is filled with all levels of awesomeness and that you're ready to listen to another amazing episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to be bringing on another amazing man to the podcast who has sold more than 20 podiatry businesses, won the Queensland Telstra Business Award, and wakes up every day filled with an all high level of enthusiasm. Today, we're going to be talking with about why knowing what's next for your business and life is key to overall success. Tyson's a huge advocate for thinking big, but at the same time, being mindful that regardless of how big you think, it's important for your thinking to be guided in the right direction. So buckle in for a brilliant show because we're ready to rock and roll. Welcome to the show, Tyson. How are you doing? This is fun. This is going to be, this is going to be fun. I can really tell from your energy. But- <laughs> We're going to have a really good conversation. I am filled with energy. Sometimes I talk too quickly. That has been some feedback from the podcast. But listen, I am who I am. I love a good energy. I love a good chat. So thank you so much for being on board today. No, no, this is great. I'm looking forward to it. So what are we, where are we going to start? Where are we going to start? Well, listen, I always like to start with a fun fact with any of my guests because I think it's important that the audience gets to know you on a little bit of a human level before we jump into your level of expertise. So my question to you today is, what is the scariest thing you've ever done before? Scariest thing I've ever done. Scariest thing I've ever done or the scariest thing I've ever had happen to me was uh, to be hit by a shark while I was on my surfboard. Oh, no. No, 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 no. That was, uh, that was pretty scary. It came up underneath and just went bang and sort of knocked me off. And, uh, that was probably the last time I ever surfed because I'd had two run-ins before that. And I thought, well, it will never happen a third time. So I felt like I'm a shark magnet. Oh my goodness, like I can't even, like my heart is racing. I do not deal well with your guys' Australian wildlife over here. I'll give you that tip. And so you had three encounters with sharks in total? Uh, yeah, yeah, three. No, that no. I think your luck's run out, my friend. Like you that's, a, that's to- what I reckon. So I always tell people when I go swimming with them, I say I now only swim when there's a lot of people around me because I tend to attract sharks. And did you know what type of shark it was? Like did you Big see all, all I know, it was big because I felt. No. If you've ever felt a shark before, they're like no. uh, they're like sandpaper. So <gasps> all I can remember as as it sort of as it sort of hit me and I've slid off, and it sort of slid by, through past my side and uh, my arms gone on over the top of it. So I felt <gasps> it kind of scrape me as it went through, and and when they say your life flashes before you, it does because the whole time I was there, I'm thinking. What am I doing out here? I'm not really even a good surfer. I don't know why I keep going out here. And I, all I can remember doing is reaching down, flicking my leg rope off. I don't know why. I put my head down. And I was stuck in a rip. That was the problem. I was in a rip and I couldn't get back in. Oh, no, Tyson. Out there. I was trying to get back in for about, oh, it was maybe half an hour. And then all of a sudden, I flicked my leg rope off. And I reckon within 90 seconds, I was back on the beach. I swam if they were doing Olympic trials, I would have. Been- <laughs> you would have been the winner for sure that day. And I don't think I stopped swimming until I was probably you know ten meters up onto the sand. I still just dragged my body up, 
And uh, yeah, so that that was uh, that was scary. That was that was. Really, yes, really I would scary. actually say that ticks all boxes for levels of scariness there, uh, Tyson. And I'm glad to know that you know nothing happened. That's a positive thing. Oh yeah, I know. And the other two times, they were just they were just close. <laughs> close. Okay. Well, not that close. You know, dude. Uh-uh, no. Well, that's see again. I would never have even thought that a shark was like sandpaper. All right. All right. We're off traffic here. But anyways, I can talk to you now. You have to tell me when we see each other at We Are Podcast in October. We'll have some good conversations that will continue on then. So, yes. All right. So surfing. Obviously, you used to love to surf. Clearly, also been attacked almost by three sharks. But tell us a little bit now more about your business journey. Where did you start? Where did you go? And where are you today? Okay. Um, I was, when I finished school, I was going to be an art teacher. That was my, that was my thinking. Oh, I'm going to be an art teacher. And then my brother came up to me who was doing dentistry and he said, so what, what are you going to do when you finish school? So I'm going to do art. And he goes, Oh my God. He goes, I'm going to be a successful rich dentist one day and you're going to be a poor artist. Yeah. And he said, um, I'll have a Porsche, you'll have a Volkswagen and eventually you'll be hitting me up for money to buy paint and we'll stop talking. We may as well stop talking now. And, <laughs> So I, I thought about it. I went to my art teacher and I said, so what sort of car do you drive? And she said, Volkswagen, why? I went, no. <laughs> and I told her what my brother said. And she went, look, you're good at art, you like art, but you don't actually have to do it as a, as a living. You can always do something, do that as a hobby um, and go and do something else. She said, yeah, you're smart enough to go and do anything. So I sat down and my brother said, if you do anything in the medical field, you'll never be unemployed and you'll always make above average money. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I sat down. I went right. I want to do something where no one ever dies and everything can wait till tomorrow. So, <laughs> like you're thinking, there was podiatry, optometry, uh, radiography. They were the sort of ones that fitted. And I said, now I want to work for myself. So we sort of narrowed it down to podiatry. That's how I, how I came up with it. So yes. I then had to go back, repeat grade twelve, and I had to drop art, physical education, manual arts, and all that. I had to do chemistry, biology, physics, and I also had to convince the principal of someone who had been as lazy as hell all through school that I was actually going to come back and apply myself and take on five new subjects that I'd never studied before and learn it all in one year. (laughs) Wow. Well, that's a challenge. And what did he say? Was he supportive or a bit hesitant? Oh, he was really hoping I wasn't going to come back because he said he was looking forward to me leaving. Um, (laughs) But I, I was a good football player at the time. So I think they didn't mind me coming back and playing football for another year. So I did that, got through, did well, got into uni. I enjoyed podiatry. I wouldn't say did I love it. No, I enjoyed it. But towards the end of the end of the, my uh, final year, they we had a business subject, and so I had to do, had to do like a business plan on how I'd run a business. And the only book, the first book I ever read was uh, Noel Whittaker's Making Money Made Simple. Okay. And I went, well, I've never thought about the business world before. This is really interesting. So I put my put my head down and really worked on this business plan and I was the first person in the university, including the business students who ever got a hundred percent for this subject. Well done. And someone from the business school said, have you ever thought about doing business instead of podiatry? And I went, never thought about it before. So when I graduated, I registered, I enrolled um, for a business degree at Griffith uni. Uh, only did the first six months and I went, ah, nah, the theory is terrible. I just want to get in there and open up a business. So I opened up my own podiatry clinic, uh, pretty much as soon as I graduated, uh, knew nothing, learnt by trial and error, lost a lot of money, made heaps of mistakes, employed the wrong people, um, did everything everything you could possibly do wrong. I did it, and then 
things just got better. As time went on, you just learn new skills and you learn from your mistakes and you read more. And it, it, it all, t- it, I ended up moving from the Gold Coast to Cairns. And it all changed when I went to this one uh, weekend seminar. And they were talking about just different business ideas. And they were saying the biggest, pe- pe- the people that have the biggest hang up about money is usually the person that owns a business, not your clients or customers. And yeah, you had to be paid what you were worth. But he, right at the end, he said, you've got to have, um, yeah, what have you made this year? What's your goal for next year? So we all had to write it down. I did that. Then he said, okay, now what do you need to do to achieve our goals? So we're all writing down the things that we have to do. I'm going, okay, yeah, that's really cool. He said, okay, now what I want you to do is put a zero on the end of it. That is your real goal. And you hear the whole wow. room go, oh. He goes, now I know you all think that's ridiculous. He said, but if you could do it, what do you think you would need to do differently to what you already wrote down? So we started writing a couple of things. He says, put your hand up if you think this is a possibility. Not one person put their hand up. Oh, no. He said, okay, let's say we've got your wife, your children, your parents, every person you've ever cared about and loved in a room, and we will kill them if in 12 months you have not achieved that goal. Do you think you could come up with some new idea? Who, who here would find a way to make that money to save their family? And every person put their hand up. Mm-hmm. And something went off in my head that day, and the turnover of my business within three months doubled. Six well months done. Later it doubled again and my mind just exploded with ideas and ways that I could work to me. And at, at, at that stage, did you, it was just your one dietary office or had you already started to expand or how, how did that look? Oh, okay. So when I was on the Gold Coast, I had one in Southport and then I'd set up a couple of satellite clinics that I used to sort of just rotate between. I had another person working with me, but it was just a really dodgy setup. It, that would just run really bad. Mm-hmm. I still made money, but they just weren't run very well, mainly because I didn't know anything about business and I hadn't worked for anybody else to even learn anything. I was purely just learning, at, you know, learning on the go, learning mm-hmm. on the run. When I moved to Cairns, uh, when I first set up there, I had just one main clinic and I had multiple just smaller ones uh, like around the place I used to drive out to. After I went to the seminar, this weekend workshop, and I realized, well, I can do anything. It was then that I started expanding. So at one stage, I had five, you know, like five clinics, 1,800 kilometers apart. So when you start doing that, that's when I started learning about systems. I was just about to ask that how much of this was a success because of the systems you have in place? Because so many people try to expand or scale very, very quickly or franchise out or open multiple shops, but yet they're foundations. I'm a huge foundations person. If anyone do mean has been listening for me a while, you'll know I talk about foundations all the time. What did you have to do system-wise to get everything, do you mean talking with each other and working collaboratively? Yeah, the system systems were what built my business because at one stage there I well I talked about I had what I did is I had my clinic in Cairns and I went, I'm going to set up another business in Mackay, which was eight hundred kilometers away. And now I did it for two reasons. One was because if it failed, nobody in Cairns would know. I go like, oh, won't, <laughs> yep. won't talk about that again. But the other reason I wanted to know was, was my business going to be successful because I had great systems in place. So I developed things that actually worked and great marketing plans. And, and it was far enough away that it couldn't draw on the past success of my other business. So I know some people have had one business and it's great. So they're going to set up another one in another town. And it goes really good. But the other town already knows about this business. So they sort of draw upon it. Whereas when they then take that business, they go and put it, uh, yeah, say from Brisbane, they go and put it in Perth. It fails because nobody in Perth even knows who they are. 
Uh-huh. So that you, I couldn't set up in Mackay because I didn't want it to feed off my reputation. Yes. So when I set up, put the systems in place, simplified a lot of things. And what took me eight years to do in Cairns, I did in 12 months in Mackay. Wow. That's pretty legendary. Yeah, it, it, it boomed. So I went, oh, my God, I think I'm onto something here. So then the next, so then I came back and said, I wonder if I could franchise this. So then I had a couple of podiatrists approach me. So we set up two franchises and they both went really well. So I went, and then that's when I started really putting systems together. I went and met up with a franchise company that I want to franchise my podiatry clinic. No one's ever done it before. And they really then made me put systems. So even though I had a lot of systems together, which worked, they then really made me. Yeah, it would be like next level systems. Next level systems. I mean, it was taking systems to a, I mean, when you decide to franchise, and there's a lot of legal requirements as well when you franchise, it takes systems to, you think as high as you can go with it and then just times it by three. <laughs> it is incredible. But I learned so much through that process that I then decided to open up another clinic myself, just repeat the process. Once again, it just started making money. And anyway, I, I did this for a couple of years, uh, about five years. And all of a sudden I, you know, when you, you go to sleep at night and you're thinking I'm doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. It has I, happened. Yeah. I, it's not that I didn't, I don't like the idea of franchising. I think it's great. But what I've realized is when you're dealing with healthcare, you're not making a hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you know, that is true. Every person that walks in is different. Every problem is different. Every podiatrist that owns a business has different strengths, weaknesses. You cannot make them all the same. So all of a sudden I, I just started, I started getting, feeling sick in the stomach that I'm trying to make all these podiatry clinics be the same. And it just didn't, it didn't sit well with me. So mm-hmm. I contacted them and said, I want to cancel the franchise agreement. I said, you can still have the business. You can still do it. You can keep all the money. I just don't, I don't want my 6% share of it anymore. I don't want to have to be telling you what to do. And they were, they were like, they thought it was great. <laughs> yeah, it was a win for them. But like you said, though, again, and as a mental health clinician or ex-mental health clinician myself, you're 100% right. In that particular instance, you can't cookie cutter it, can you? It has to no. be tailored per, like you said, almost each demographic, each geographic, and then not to mention from all the medical stuff. You've all, you know, legally also have to take into consideration if they're in a different state and how you're billing it, et cetera. So, yeah, yeah so you would, from a scalability point of view, it wasn't a matter of just like, here's the manual rock and roll, have a good day. It would have been a lot of effort emotionally and physically, I'm assuming, to try and get each of those franchise working the way you need it to work. It was hard. It was really hard because I had one per- person who was like like a pretty, really, really good runner and he wanted to put in treadmills and video cameras from all these different angles and, and do all these running assessments. And then had somebody else who was yeah, slightly alternative, yeah, that um, <laughs> sort of a, a bit more of a, yeah, a greenie and they wanted to come at it as a bit more of a holistic approach. And I'm thinking, well, hang on. If, oh, I'm holding them back. I'm, hold, I'm stopping them from actually really running with their strengths and making their business different to the guy down the road. So, so then what happened? So you ended up then, did you sell all the podiatry at that stage and then yeah, pivot it? And then what happened? I, I sold them off. Um, yeah, so it's the franchise ones we let go. The other ones I ended up selling off and then – I had other clinics around the place. I ended up just amalgamating everything until I decided I'm going to have one clinic in Cairns and it's going to be like a mega clinic. Uh-huh. It's, going to, it's going to be big. So it ended up, by the time I'd finished with it, it was about 360 square meters, I think. So it was pretty big. Wow. 
and it, it had everything. It was just fantastic. And then uh, one of the guys from the Shark Tank uh, has been going around buying up podiatry businesses. And they approached me and said, do you want to sell? And I said, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, like- actually, I said, no, I don't want to sell. I, um, I said, unless you offer me an obscene amount of money. So they offered me an obscene amount of money, so I sold it. You're like, all right, looks like there's my, I'm pivoting and this is what I'm going to, I'm going somewhere new now. Yeah. So I still own 20% of the business. They came in, changed all my systems. Um, it's not going anywhere near as good as it used to. Uh-huh. So if they had just, I reckon if they had just followed my systems, then all their podiatry clinics would be making probably double what they're making, but instead they introduced their own systems. Sometimes people have to learn. They just have to learn. Cookie cutter, like you said, they're trying to use the cookie cutter method with you know seventy five podiatry clinics across Australia, and not taking into account, like you said, there's different people in different areas, and they're all going to be treated differently. Yes. So now let me ask you this: though, is at this stage, because again, the whole essence of the conversation to, today is really knowing what's next for your business and/or yeah. life are combined. So at that stage, when the Shark Tank guy had contacted you and reached out to you, did you know what was next for you in business and life, or were you kind yes. of winging it? Or no. yeah, so can you talk me through a little bit about that? Because I guess that's really what I want to hone in on for this particular episode is letting people know, because I actually know a few people, I was just at a speaking conference over the weekend and a few of them said, Ange, you know, my kids are getting older. I still want the business, but I don't want to be in the business. I want to be able to create the systems necessary so that my husband and I can go travel to Italy or we can do X, Y, and Z. You know, so they're really focusing on that. So that's why, again, it's even great that you're on here because there's a lot of people who have been talking about this kind of transition stage, you could say. So I'd love to know, what what were you planning? What did you need to know? Um, what was going to happen for your business in life? What plans did you have in place? Okay, well... When I sold my business, I had not actually worked in my business for two years prior to selling it. Mm-hmm. That's what made it so valuable. So when they bought my business, it wasn't relying on me actually working as a podiatrist. I'd set systems in place that the business could run at about 95% without me having to walk in there. Mm-hmm. And would I also, started, can I also yeah? ask, were you, I'm assuming you had removed yourself from a personal branding perspective also, right? Like yeah. you, your name wasn't needed in order for the business to succeed. Is that right? Yeah. I went, every bit of advertising and marketing I ever did from the time I started my business in Cairns, I only ever promoted the practice. I never sure. promoted myself. I never promoted a podiatrist that worked for me because yeah. as far as I'm concerned, they could leave and go and set up down the road if they wanted to. So I tell everyone they're the best podiatrist in the world and then they set up down the road and I'm telling them, oh, no, actually, they're the second best. There's other <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, like I, I'd promote my business is the best podiatry clinic in the world. That will never change. That, yeah, that will never change. And I think it's just important for those that are listening because a lot of people get hung up on, do I, am I the face behind the brand or, you know, and I'm Chris Ducker, um, a friend of mine over in the UK, big entrepreneur. And what, what his new book that he just brought out talks a lot about if you plan on selling your business, you really need to think from the beginning about, do you want to be the brand and what is that going to add value if you ever choose to leave? Or are you going to be, do you know I mean the person running it, but you're not the face of the brand. So again, this is just a prime example of Tyson showcasing to saying to us that he was never the face of the brand. Do you know what I mean? It was always, you know, his, him, he was, separated from that element of that and yeah, uh, but yes. even though you know even though everybody in Kansas knew I was behind the brand yes it wasn't me that they spoke about people would say like even now like I sold my business two years ago and it was called Pro Arch Podiatry I went and bought a pair of shoes the other day from young a young guy great bloke at 21 in the shoe shop 
and I'd never been in there before. I was buying the shoes. He saw me take out inserts out of my other shoes and put them in there. And I said, oh, yeah, I used to, used to do podiatry. He goes, all oh, right. And he said, oh, whereabouts? I said, I oh, used to be called Pro-Arch Podiatry. He goes, oh, yeah, I know you guys. I was, I'd gone there. Oh, wow. So, That's awesome. So I can still say the name, even though the name hasn't been used. Yeah, they changed the name straight away when they bought it. But I can still say the name, and so many people still remember the business. They don't remember my name. They just they remember, remember the business. business. Plus, I was on TV, so I was just known as the TV podiatrist. <laughs> yeah, that's a guy again, you know, who talks about feet <laughs> out. So tell me, so okay, so you did, so you already kind of removed yourself from the business. It was running yeah. at about 95% capacity. It still needed you, but it wasn't dependent on you. So is that one of the first things that you would be saying to people is how can you start removing yourself from the daily running of the business or the grind yeah. of the business? And the biggest thing that stops you from making that decision or making those steps is your mindset. I was, I felt like, oh, my business can't run if I'm not there. But if you put the right systems in place, it will run if you're not there. But it's it's making that decision. So I have a, I have a mindset coach, mm-hmm. and I, and I was talking to her. I went, oh, I don't know if I can just just step away and not work in there at all and just be in the background. And she went, Well, have you ever tried it? And I went, Well, no. <laughs> well, how do you know it won't work if you? Just, I went, Oh, but yeah, my patients will they'll get upset if I if I start stepping back and not seeing them. She goes, Well, have, is that what they've told you? And I went, Well, no. And she said. We'll ask some of them. So mm-hmm. I was asking them, I said, oh, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, just stepping back for a while and have a bit of a break. And the patient said, you, you, you bloody deserve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why not? Why, why can't you do that? So I, I just took her advice and did it. I just took the plunge, put people in place, ma- made sure the systems were working. So when sitting in the background, all I have to do is just, I, I'm, I'm a numbers person. If the numbers are telling me everything's right, then everything's right. Yes. Don't change. And I also believe don't change something if it's working. You know, yeah. like sometimes I think we just want to create change to create change because we're bored or we're just being silly or we've got, you know, red shiny object syndrome. But <laughs> you, your numbers were working. Right. So you're like, dude, yeah. we're OK. I remember, I remember having a sales rep coming up to me go, when are you going to change that radio commercial? And to be running for about three years, I said, I will change it when it stops working. Mm-hmm. Good on you. Because it's, I said, it's boring. <laughs> I said, I know it's boring. I've heard it so many times. I can recite it myself. I said, but it still works. I said, so why change things? You, you get bored with it much faster than, uh, than your audience. Yes. Because you're just like, Oh, it's not my voice again. Even when I listen to podcasts, I'm like, surely people aren't, you know, they gotta be annoyed with this Canadian voice. But people are like, no, I love listening to you. I was like, Oh, well, I don't love listening to me. But anyways, you know, it's I've got so many Canadian friends. I didn't even notice you were Canadian. <laughs> well, that's a good sign. <laughs> yes. And so, and I also think that sometimes with mindset, we build these assumptions about, like I said, what our customers are going to think or what our patients are, whatever it is, industry. And, and that we think that also like we're untouchable or they need us. But like you said, in your instance, they're like, no, man, you deserve it, Tyson. Go have fun. Go do whatever you want to do. And, yeah, it's, it's, but sometimes we work ourselves up. So you've got, you had the plan, you started removing yourself out of it. Um, yep. Things are rocking and rolling. Your numbers were showing everything was fine. The, what other things did you have in place to, to, to be able to sit back and go that, you know, you're, you knew what's next for the business in life? It was more constantly, I knew my, what you had to do is think about if I then step back and I have other people running the business, what is my role going to be? So to me, you have to sit down and know what your role is going to be. You can't just yeah, advocate, sit in the background and just sit there counting numbers. You've got this <laughs> other, there's other things that have got to be done. So it might be you now focus on the marketing where you may not have been focusing enough on the marketing. You might be focusing more on HR or just 
aspects of your business that have probably been neglected, even though they've all been touched on a little bit. If when you step back, you need to know what you're going to do. So you can't, but you've got to make that decision before you do it. Mm-hmm. You've got to know when I step back. See, I, I had tried doing a similar thing probably about eight years prior and I totally stuffed it up. I totally stuffed my business. And it was the only time I took this massive big drop was because I put all these people in place and then I went and played golf for three months. <laughs> yes. I must admit my golf got really, really good, but the better my golf got, my business got really bad. So all of a sudden I came back in yelling and screaming, oh, everybody needs me. Yeah, everything. You know, I just ran around putting out fires. And I'm thinking, see, I, I knew the business couldn't survive without me. And it wasn't that the business couldn't survive without me. It's just I, I didn't have all the systems right. And when I stepped out, I didn't take on those other roles. All of a sudden I was just thinking the business was going to just keep running perfectly without me doing anything. But no, you've got to look after your marketing. You've got to look after your team. There's, you've got to look after your finances. Keep looking at the numbers. And would you say, though, that the role that you took, and so often I'm kind of in this transition stage at the moment with moving from a one-to-one model to a one-to-many you know, model with my new program, Profit Pillars. And what I've realized is that, and I always kind of, but I've never really been, is that I need to become the CEO there's certain things that I do and I'm like, I really shouldn't be doing that. Not because I'm lazy or I think I'm better than anyone, but really my time could be spent elsewhere, growing the big business, knowing what's next for my business. And Amy Porterfield had a great episode a few weeks ago and she talked about us as the business owners being the visionary and we need an integrator. And that integrator is kind of someone who's able to take our ideas rock and roll with them. That's kind of like your secondhand man. They don't do the doing. You still have all your other people in your instance of like the actual podiatrist doing the work, but you become the CEO, you become the visionary. It gives you headspace to do that. But when you're in the doing or, you know, the day-to-day grind, you can't really do that. So was it similar to that or was it, what are your thoughts? Yeah. And there was a, there was a quote that I saw from Ray Kroc, which I thought just summed it up. And he said, you're either green and growing or you're ripe and rotting. Yes. (laughs) Very cool quote. So to me, it was like, yes, my business was great. Now I could have just left it there and gone, okay, I'm, not, I'm now right. But if I did nothing, it was just going to rot over a period of time. And I think that was the mistake I'd made eight years prior. It was going great. So I decided, well, I don't need to do anything now because it will always be great. But it slowly just started to sort of go downwards. Whereas Which is- when I stepped back, it made me realize the you know, second time I did it, when I did it the right way, yeah, step back, but just keep growing the business push it that you know just keep pushing it so that yeah it just keeps getting better and, and i think you just need to keep resetting goals resetting goals or again you know parts of that element of pivoting do you mean something might be working but we might need to change something and it's okay to change you know yeah. that sometimes i think people like trying to push you know poo up a hill and you're like well hold on a minute actually you might just have to change. <laughs> but what do you think so again you've talked about that but what ultimately in your experience do you think are the risks for businesses if they don't plan for what's next for their business? Um, I, I think that if they don't plan what's next, their competition will. Mm-hmm. So I, I always believe that, you know, being first, depends what you're talking about. Sometimes I'll talk about technology. It's not good to be first because you're, you're sort of, um, I don't know, trying, trying to lead the pack and, yeah, other people come in and, and take your idea and all that. But I honestly believe, that nobody remembers who came second. Uh-huh. So if you just sit back and do nothing and don't plan ahead on what can keep making your business better and bringing in new services or new products, if you don't, your competition is going to do it. 
and you don't want to be the person who's constantly playing catch up. Uh-huh. And that was one of the things that put my set my business apart from every other business in the area was every other podiatry business was playing catch up with me constantly. And uh-huh. they were two to three years behind what I was doing. And yeah. I would, if I went on a holiday anywhere, I would always go and look at other podiatry things. What are they doing? Is there something that they're doing? I'm, I'm not doing. Uh-huh. I need to introduce before anybody else does it. And yeah, so I think that's what they need to do in their planning is, What's next? Keep yeah. asking yourself, what's next? And like you said, though, but if the risk is, is if you don't do it, you're going to be second, third, fourth, fifth place. And as you said, no yeah. one remembers second place. So you got to be, yeah. you got to always constantly. The what risk- they say? If you're not the lead dog, the view's the same. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> From behind or looking at a butt, whatever you want to do. Yes, whatever you're chasing. So what tips do you have for the businesses out there that are listening today? They're going, okay, actually, I probably don't have a plan. I'm just, it's either all in my head or I've been winging it and, I don't really know what my next steps are. Or, oh, my kids are starting kindergarten. Things might have to change or my kids are graduating or, um, you know, my kids are finishing college and I want to go towards retirement. Whatever that looks like, people still need to be planning what's next for their business and life. So what yeah. tips ultimately do you have for businesses who today are like, I want to start this. I need to start planning. What would you tell them? What would you suggest they do? Get a, get a coach or a mentor that knows what the hell they're doing. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I've had coaches and mentors you know, in most of my career. And I wouldn't be where I am now if I hadn't have had that. And I still have a mindset coach now. Mm-hmm. And I still have mentors that I look up to that, you know, are not in my industry, outside of my industry. And, you know, you'd have people that you do coaching with on a regular basis. And that's what they need to find. And it's not just, I'll oh, go and find a coach who, you know, Mr. Coach 101 from down the street. We were talking about this before about, you know, these people that will put a, a sign and say, oh, I'm a business coach. That's not what you need. You need someone who can actually, who's done what you want to do and then get advice from them and pay them for their advice. Don't think just having a coffee with them at lunchtime is going to be enough to get you through the years. Pay, for, pay money for their advice and do it on a regular basis and take action on what you learn. That's what they need to do. And I also think it's important that, again, you typically will never have the same coach, consultant, or mentor that no. as you grow, your your new skill sets or the things that are lacking that you need will grow too. So I'm currently working with James Shremko as my business consultant, and um, but I won't use him forever. And that's okay. My own coaching clients aren't going to use me forever. It's, you know, so, you know, be mindful that Use the people you need for right now, but that ultimately you're always going to be looking for the people who are a little bit smarter or a little bit, do you know what I mean, more specific or niche in what you need them to do because they're the ones that will help guide you. Never be afraid to say to your coach that you need to go somewhere else. Yeah, well, you just say you need a break. I've done, you know, I've had a lot of coaching clients that, um, yeah, and they're not all, you know, I don't just coach podiatry people. It's yeah, any sort of business. Business is business. Yes. But, yeah, and a lot of them, uh, I just do it short term. It's yeah. What problems are you having? My my big thing is marketing. I just I love marketing, and in my two books that I wrote, the second half of the books were both about the six pillars of marketing, and that's going to be my next book that I'm going to write is just on the six pillars of marketing, and that's my strength. I I know what I'm good at. Do I know everything about marketing? No, I don't. But I do understand the six pillars and how you use them. Uh-huh. which is sort of just breaking things up. And if you're doing something in every pillar, your business can't help but go forward. So a lot of the people that come to me want coaching on setting up better marketing plans. Uh-huh. 
if they want coaching on, you know, how to um, talk to their team better, I'm probably not the coach. Yeah. <laughs> I know yeah. stuff, but I'm not a professional in that area. Yep. And it's good because, again, we too are able to identify what are we good at in coaching, what aren't we? But again, I think you and I both will be able to say to someone, hey, we've got someone else we can refer you to, though, that can do it for you. You know, so so, yeah, so, no, so you would say the number one tip is to get a good coach in order to be able to plan what's next for your business. However, what exciting things do you have planned for 2019, Tyson? Um, I've got a few things. I'm, I'm expecting I'm going to be doing a lot more speaking engagements. Mm-hmm. Not Perfect. You know, ones that'll be like workshops I'm doing myself and mm-hmm. ones where I'm speaking at other people's events. So I, I know that is going to get bigger in 2019. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've, I've done more speaking engagements this year than I've ever done before. So I'm expecting 2019 to be, um, to be a lot better. And I think part of the process has been getting over, <laughs> this will sound funny, getting over the your own negative thoughts in your head. Mm. That, um, who wants to listen to what I have to say? Yep. But then sometimes I'll I'll listen back to a recording or something I've done and I'll listen back to what I've said and I've gone, yeah, some of that stuff actually made sense. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. pretty good at what I do. I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking, shit, actually, I know my shit sometimes. Yep. Because um, you're your own worst critic. You, you really, you know, if, if people think, oh, geez, you know, I talk negative to myself all the time. Yeah, we all do it. Yes. And, yep. and what me too. Is, is just to do it less. Um, so yeah, that's I'm I'm really excited about doing more workshops uh, around audio and podcasting. I just mm-hmm. I love this medium. It is. I just did a talk last Friday at my event, the Head in Cans, and I did a, a one hour talk on using audio to grow your business. And it's, in Australia, it's a brilliant because we're we're behind the Americans. Audio yeah. is. Do you know what I mean? You get on this train now, you're ahead of almost everyone else. Yeah, and it's not just about oh start audio to have a podcast it's not just about podcasting you use it for training there's so many uses of audio and i was showing them how like some people don't like having a video camera on as soon as they put a camera on they just also go oh i can't freak out they they just freak out their eyes are big they sweat they're they're mumbling they get dry mouth but they can quite easily press record read a script and sound really good Mm -hmm. so you put that audio with a picture of a product that you're trying to sell and you you combine it in a program like headline or something like that and you can cool, you can create some super cool videos that you can use online in your social media and yep. uh, I, I proved it that I shot a video on the Monday I took a picture on the Monday got my wife to do this recording put it together uploaded it Tuesday and by the time we got to Friday it had you know it was way over 200 um, views and we just threw it just on this one little Facebook page just to prove a point that mm-hmm. this Facebook page only had like 500 people on there, mm-hmm. but it's amazing how many people saw that and the amount of comments that they got on that particular product. And yes, video, and video is where it's at. Coming back from social media marketing world this year, yeah. it is very clear that video is where it's at. I know some people are getting bored with video because it's showing up in our feed so much, but the reality of it is, is Facebook doesn't want to be competing, or well, they're competing with YouTube. They're ultimately trying to take YouTube over. Yeah. So people, I would be, I would genuinely say, and not just what the experts are saying at social media marketing world is, if you're not on video, you're going to need to be on video very soon or else you're going to get left behind. So you got to be adapting. You know, so it's not just video. I think auditory is a great place to start and then segment your way into video if you're really nervous about being on it. But I think there's a lot do you know I mean, that we're going to see changing here. But, but that's that. And that's what I was trying to prove when I was doing this talk, that if you're too scared to get in front of a camera and talk, 
then then don't just do the audio part and put pictures of your product and talk over the top of it. You've still created a video which people engage with without you having to stand there. So yeah. Yeah, there are ways of getting to create videos without you actually having to be there. But if you've got a staff member who um, loves getting up there and talk, <laughs> use them. Yeah, exactly. Use use the positive resources. It might not be your zone of genius, but find the people who are and implement from that. Now, for those businesses that would love to connect with you or learn more about where you are and what they can you know, potentially utilize you, where can they find you, Tyson? Uh, my website, TysonFranklin.com. That's the, that's the main place you can actually find me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, on uh, Instagram and Twitter, I think it's TysonFranklin66. You'd be surprised how many Tyson Franklins there are. <laughs> <laughs> but I put 66 as that's my uh, year of birth. Yep. And um, and on Facebook and LinkedIn, I'm just Tyson E. Franklin. If someone wants to hunt me down that way. And but the page I have my uh, podcast on is It's No Secret with Dr. T. All right. No, that's fantastic. And um, for every one of you listening going, ah, I didn't quite get that. Don't worry. My team and I will also be putting together the whole transcription for this episode at AngelaHenderson.com.au. And of course, I cover all sorts of business related and life topics inside my Facebook group, the Australian Business Collaborative with over 3,300 different businesses around Australia. So make sure to join the community as I'd love to see you there. In the meantime, Tyson, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to be here today. And for all of the others listening in, have an awesome day no matter where you are in the world. And I look forward to connecting with you all soon. Have an awesome day, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson. www.angelahenderson.com.au